just so many automations can happen based on these activities if you're tracking them correctly. And when you like zoom out and look at your recruitment process and, and you want to look at maybe your communications flow or like your your expected steps for how you move students through the funnel, thinking about these points and thinking about this data as activities can be really transformational in the way that you go about building that flow. Welcome to the EduData podcast, a part of the Enrollify podcast network. This is your weekly guide to the data driving higher education. No PhD required here. Our weekly episodes break down complex data issues and ideas into easy to understand takeaways that higher ed pros can digest and immediately put to use on their campuses. And we're your hosts. I'm Timothy Davis, an engagement analyst at Element 451. And I'm Jamie Boggs, also an engagement analyst on the data team at Element 451. Welcome to the EduData Podcast. We're back for another episode of the EduData Podcast. I'm Jamie here with Tim, as always. And we're going to talk today kind of uh, expounding upon a previous conversation about dimensions and activities of different ways to use activity data. So, Tim, we don't have a ton of time in each episode, so let's get to it. Yeah, for sure. Well, we want to talk about three different use cases today uh, about how we can base our operations as as recruiters, as admissions professionals, as enrollment professionals around activities, not just dimensions. And so this first use case that I want to look at is calculating the funnel status. So everybody probably is is got their own definition for what their various funnel stages are, especially around prospect. Everyone's got a different opinion about prospects. So we'll, we'll look at that one here for, for, uh, for our example. But instead of manually assigning a funnel status, like going to the student record and having a field for what is their funnel status, and then somebody goes and they click into it and they select from the dropdown and there's the funnel status. Okay, great. We can actually calculate that and automate it based on whatever our definition is. So the example is that we want to consider someone a prospect once they've submitted a certain kind of form. Let's say that in our use case, we've got some forms that are just for like general information that don't necessarily convey a high degree of intent, while others definitely do. Others are high intent forms. And when someone fills out that form, we want them to be a prospect and they're in the system. So then um, that form is an activity. Right. And once that activity is complete, we can then consider the student a prospect. So we'll look in our forms table. And if we see a form submission for that particular student, our definition in our calculated field um, can then say, OK, this is now a prospect because they have this. They don't have maybe what would be required for further state statuses. They just have this. Thus, they're a prospect for this term. We might even want like a tighter definition. We could look across multiple different types of activities to try to, to indicate uh, prospect. Or maybe we have um, different degrees of prospect. We could have a low intent prospect and a high intent prospect or a high value target prospect, something like that. And we could look across not just the forms that they've submitted, but maybe the emails that they've opened, um, whether or not they've been to an event uh, or, or in, interacted uh, with the university or the institution some way online, look across all of those activities and formulate them all together into a funnel status. And here's the thing, every institution tracks those things differently, right? And that's why you continue to say based on your own definition. And 
I'm sure that at Element 451, we track that certain ways. We allow a lot of flexibility because we know that. But this goes even further down the funnel to major selection, to applying to graduate. Uh, All these activities that you're tracking can uh, be throughout the journey into being an alum, as we've kind of mentioned before. And you can use these activities to, to trigger engagements anywhere in, in that funnel. So sometimes we're using that to push them along the funnel. Like if they've started an application a week later, they haven't finished it. Maybe we want to nudge somebody to, to revisit that application, but we can also use it to try to enhance the process or capitalize on opportunities. If somebody goes to the athletic page and fills out a recruit me form, sometimes admissions offices may not even be aware that that individual is interested in your institution. So maybe there needs to be a trigger of if you complete the recruit me form, then admissions is sent uh, an indication knowing that this person could be interested or that uh, if somebody fills out a financial aid form, now's a great time for them to get that scholarship email, right? Just so many automations can happen based on these activities if you're tracking them correctly. And when you like zoom out and look at your recruitment process and, and you want to look at maybe your communications flow or like your, your expected steps for how you move students through the funnel, thinking about these points and thinking about this data as activities can be really transformational in the way that you go about building that flow, right? Letting one activity push the student towards the next activity and the next and so on. And once we start tracking these activities, we can use them not only to trigger further engagements, but to make predictions. Timothy and I joke about this often, but if we're trying to predict somebody's behavior, why are we using demographic data for that when we have behavior data sitting in front of us? The best indication of future behavior is past or current behavior, right? And we have all that activity, which can make our uh, prediction analytics so much richer as opposed to just using the dimensional data. Yeah, and it can be a great enhancement even to dimensional data. Not saying that we should entirely ignore dimensional data, but when we combine these, right, we can get a really well-rounded picture of the student. And we can also maybe control for some of the shortcomings of dimensional data, right? um, One of the problems that we run into with dimensional data when we're doing predictions a lot, especially if we're like predicting for enrollment, is that um, if we if we have if we're scoring students, we can be scoring the students that we already have, and then that creates like a cycle of of just finding the same types of students, the same types of students, and in, in it and introducing behavioral activity based data can kind of level that playing field as we just consider a greater number of factors about each student. And one thing we know is that admissions is not going to be any less competitive in the coming time. So identifying those, the, the right students, right? Yes, we're looking for lots of students, but we're looking for the right students. And this activity data does a great deal to help us figure out exactly who they are. 100%. All right. Well, I think that's all we've got for this episode. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in the next ones. Check back in to get the weekly dose of data a little bit at a time. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the EduData podcast brought to you by Enrollify, a learning community for enrollment managers and the higher ed marketers. If you have any data questions or topics you'd like to send our way, we would love to hear from you. In the meantime, Go check out the rest of Enrollify's extensive podcast catalog for more insightful tools and ideas. Make sure to join us back here every Friday for more of the EduData podcast, learning higher ed data a little at a time.